We are in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And Pastor Tony just finished up, he just finished up a series, and he's about to jump into a new series next week. And, um, but between the series, we're just going to take a break and dive into some different topics, and I have the opportunity to do that. Uh, I'm pretty excited about being on the rotation to do that. But today, we're focusing on a portion of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and then we're going to jump over to 2 Timothy. So I want you to look with me, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. If you haven't caught on, and maybe in the past you'd never really paid attention to the fact that this is Paul, a mentor to Timothy, which is a young preacher, and Paul is investing in his life. Paul's making it a point that he wants this young preacher to realize the importance of fighting a good fight. Uh, we, fighting a good fight is nothing new for us as believers. We've heard that a number of times. But the problem is, is we don't really understand how to fight to the finish. And what does that look like? Because in life, obstacles happen and we tend to just give up. I am not a fighter. <clears throat> I don't like to fight. I would prefer never to fight. Some people might even call me a lover. I don't know if I'd like that either. The fact of the matter is, is um, I just don't like pain. I don't want anything that's going to cause pain or inflict pain on this body. You know, and, and you know, I've never been in a fight. You could call me a sissy. You're probably putting some comments in right now if you're on Facebook. That's okay. I got thick skin. I can handle that. But I've never got in a fight before. Now, I think, I think, Chris, the reason why I've never been in a fight is people look at me and they're like, oh my goodness, look at, that is a beast, you know, because I'm carrying Billy and Bobby around. It's intimidating. But what's more intimidating than that, y'all looking at the five that are here are just looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm just giving you facts about my life. I think people are intimidated by bald guys. They just think we're mean. They think, that guy's tough because he has no hair. And so if, if I see danger and I have a hat on, all I have to do is take off my hat and they're like, snap, he's one of those guys. We can't, we can't mess with that. You know what I'm talking about? Victor's here, he's on the worship team, he's bald. He intimidates people while he's playing up here on stage. And what people don't understand is we just have a hair follicle disorder that intimidates people. We're just normal guys with a disorder, and we can't help it. Pastor Tony doesn't like to fight, right? You don't like to fight. And um, physically, he, he would prefer to bypass that. Uh, for a matter of fact, a good illustration of this, he's a peacemaker. Years ago, when we were in high school, we, we, we were in karate. And we loved it. Didn't you love it? So I think I have a picture of that. Let's, let's show that picture, can we? Because it just feels good to show. There he is. That's Daniel's son. Daniel's son. He's ready. He's prepared. He just got his black belt. And I remember how excited he was to finally be a lethal weapon. His whole body, like Barney Fife, is a lethal weapon. He was ready for whatever may come his way. And uh, so he just got his black belt. I got my black belt, but I was on a whole different level of, uh, of power, and I don't want to get into that right now. We'll talk about that later. <clears throat> and then Tony and Bubba, because we grew up in Alabama, yes, and our best friend was Bubba, they were going to Blockbuster, get a movie. And if you don't know what Blockbuster is, if you're Gen Z, you have no idea, just imagine a building that's like Netflix, but you can literally pick up the video off of the shelf and take it home, put it in, and years ago, you would have to be kind and rewind because it was VHS. And he's pumped. 
you know, he's going to Blockbuster and he pulls in and this guy cuts him off or he cuts the guy off, I don't know, but Tony's like, what? But he was a Christian, so he didn't do anything inappropriate. But when he pulled up, the guy thought he did. He's thinking, who do you think you are cutting me off and then doing an inappropriate gesture? And Tony's like, I didn't. I am a young man of God. I would never do anything inappropriate. He, I just added that. He didn't say that. But it just sounded really cool for the story. So the guy looks at him and says, listen, I don't appreciate what you did. We're going to either fight here behind the building, behind Blockbuster. Who does that? And Tony says, no, no, I'm not going to fight you. Bubba's getting anxious. He's thinking it's on. It's going to happen. We're going to have a fight right here. And he is like a sensei. He's like Miyagi. But Tony chooses not to fight, and the young man, whoever he was, is standing there with his friend. His friend had a neck brace on, which he's worthless. The guy's just standing there like this, so he's going to have to handle it all on his own. And Bubba, he's kind of worthless too, but I'm just kidding. Bubba, if you're watching, we love you. So Tony says, no, I'm not going to fight. So the guy says, okay, fine. So the guy goes to walk away and turns and does a sucker punch, knocks Tony in the face. Because Tony has a, a, a very feminine uh, structure to his body. It's just not very strong. Immediately, his nose starts bleeding. His, high, his eye turns black. I think his lip was busted. I should add more just to make it sound really cool. But pretty much, he just got smashed in the face. Tony, immediately, like that, that picture you saw, he gets in this stance, and it's about to happen. I don't know if the, the crane kick is going to go on. I don't know what's going to happen, but Bubba said he got in his stance, and he's ready. And all of a sudden, Tony puts his hands down like a preacher man and says, I will not fight you. Like Mother Teresa, he backs down, walks away from the fight, and the guy goes, fine. And he drives off, and Bubba's just about as frustrated as the guy was because he wanted to see some action. You know, in life, I feel like I am overwhelmed with the opportunity to fight spiritually. And I want to do what Tony did. I don't want to fight. I just want to say, no, not today. But we can't. We can physically walk away from fights, but when it comes to spiritual battles, we cannot walk away. We have to fight to the finish. You know why people don't want to fight? Because fighting is painful. It's hard. Unless you're a nutcase, you just don't want to fight. It, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's unpredictable when it comes to Satan. It's really unpredictable. Ask Tony. He knows how unpredictable a fight can be because you don't know if they're not a, a, a proper fighter, a gentleman, if you would, in, his, in the fight. I guess that's the way you say it. Sound a little old school. They're not going to square off and fight in a sufficient way. Satan never will. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, we have to understand this. I want to talk to you about fighting to the finish and how Paul invested in this young man and taught him how to fight to the finish. Now, we got some weird people out there that tend to think that we could be talking about physically fighting. If you've, if you've interpreted it that way, you're way off. I'm talking about a spiritual fight. I'm talking about what the Bible speaks of in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of, of darkness of this world, against spiritual witness in high places. That, that's our battle. That, that's what we're facing. And as Christians, the world will never understand what we are facing every single day when we fight this good fight of faith. But there's some things that you must understand. In order to fight, you have to be a sufficient warrior. You can't just get in a fight and expect to win. 
if you haven't properly prepared. So this good fight is very obvious in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the way it is explained to, to Timothy. But he goes a little further in 2 Timothy and explains in detail what a good soldier is. And, and, and if you can be a good soldier, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, then you can have a good fight because they go hand in hand. So <clears throat> I want to want to draw your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And let's look together, okay? And we're going to jump right in this as fast as we can. Uh, you got nowhere to go if you're watching online, so we'll just hold on and uh, enjoy, enjoy the ride. Okay, for, first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul says this, Thou therefore, my son, again he's talking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He said, if you want to fight to the finish, if you want to be a good soldier and have a good fight, you have to be strong. There's never been a warrior that won a battle if he had weakness, if he wasn't strong and fit. You have to be strong. This is one of the 25 times Paul says to Timothy, be strong. And I know Timothy is getting ready for Ephesus and he's got a lot of things going on in his heart and his mind. He's, maybe he's a timid guy. But Paul said, you have to make it a point in your life that you are strong. Don't lose track of that. You've got to be strong in order to have a good fight. You've got to be strong to fight to the finish. Uh, there's a few things we must do and understand in order to be strong. Now, some of this is very obvious, okay? I know that. And one of these points that I'm going to make right here may not be as obvious. Strength does not come without weight. I, I would think you would know that. Uh, Dwayne Johnson didn't become the man he is without picking up weight. Back in the day, Arnold Schwarzenegger did not become the beast he is without picking up weight. I did not become the man I am before you without picking up weight. Okay. <laughs> The fact is, if you are anybody that makes it a point to build up your muscle, you have to pick up weight. And, and, and it just seems obvious, but for Christians, when it comes to spiritual strength, we don't seem to catch on to that. Let me, let me illustrate, okay? Let's look at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's investing in them. And he's kind of making things very clear when it comes to spiritual growth and strength, okay? He says, if any man will come after me, in other words, if you want to be a disciple, you want to follow after me, you want to be one of my men of God, then there's some things you have to do. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He said, you can't have one without the other. And, and to have spiritual training, to, to properly build up your strength as a warrior of Jesus Christ, you must implement this training that is found in Matthew chapter 16. You have to deny yourself and pick up the cross. This is weight training, spiritually speaking. What do I mean by that? When you deny yourself, you're literally saying, God, it is no longer about me. I am completely going to separate myself from what I think is right and let you take control and you do what is right. You format me, you change me, you develop me. And when you do that and you deny oneself, you're totally submitting to God and he is able to completely tear you down and rebuild you. What does that have to do with weights? Well, bearing that cross 
is the only way that'll ever happen. When you say, I'm submitting to you, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm picking up that weight of ministry. I'm picking up that weight of being a good father or a good mother or a godly wife or a godly husband. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And God says, it's not just picking up the weight. It's accepting the fact that when you do pick up the weight, you have to deny yourself. You have to put yourself aside and let me start tearing down some things in your life. See, when you start weightlifting physically to build muscle, The process is tearing down muscle fibers on a micro level. And when they start tearing down, over time they'll rebuild and become bigger and better. When we allow Jesus to step in on the scene and you deny yourself, what happens is he starts tearing you down, removing some things in your life that shouldn't be there, and then he builds you back up to be bigger and better. And the weight that we bear is the cross. It is impossible to receive spiritual strength without bearing the cross. Years ago, when I came here, like 13 years ago, I weighed 240 pounds. And I'm like, I'm done with this. So I purchased P90X. Years ago, that was like a big thing with Tony Horton. And I'm like, it is gonna change my life. 90 days, I'm going to have a six pack. Yeah, right. So I was determined, so I bought P90X, and, and, and I found out you have to have a pull-up bar. So I got one of those pull-up bars that just hook on your door frame, you know what I'm talking about? And, and I was so excited, and I go downstairs, nobody's down there, and I put it on the door frame, 240 pounds, boom, I pull myself up. The next thing I know, I'm on the ground, I'm laying there, Brianna comes downstairs, my wife, she goes, what happened? What happened? And I wasn't going to say, oh, your husband is so obese, the door frame fell apart when I was lifting my body. I just said, oh, this thing's a piece of junk. We're going to have to go a different route. So I went to Lowe's and I got a bar. I'm going to go old school like Rocky. I got a cinder block door frame. I'm going to put the bar in, this pipe in. It's going to be amazing. So I spent like three hours trying to get this done. I had to get the pipe cut and then I had to get it threaded and then I got the fittings and I put it in and then I found out I don't have a hammer drill and then I get a hammer drill. <sighs> Finally get it done. Pop in the DVD. Tony Horton pops on the screen. He's, he's at that point where it is time to do pull-ups. He jumps up on the bar. He starts doing one, two, all the way up to like 30. And I'm like, it's on. I jump up. I grab the bar. I could not do one pull-up. Not one pull-up. You know what I did? I shut the DVD off. I'm like, what's the point? What is the point? You know what happened to me? It's simple. The reason why I wasn't able to do a pull-up was because I spent years of my life indulging instead of denying. And as Christians, we do the same thing. We get so excited. We're on fire for God. We're going to do great things for God. Glory to God. I'm so excited. And then we get in ministry and we burn out because we feel like we're not capable because we're not strong enough. We're not capable to hold our marriage together. We're not capable of being the wife or husband we needed to be. And the reason why is we have indulged in so many things, worldly speaking, we have never learned to deny ourselves, so we are not spiritually strong. I don't know if that makes sense. To me, it does. Because denying oneself must include the bearing of the cross because you cannot have one without the other. You must take up the cross. You must develop the spiritual muscles in your life. And by doing so, some things are going to start changing. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because right now some of you could put in the comments that you have a treadmill. Just let us know. Don't be ashamed. You have a treadmill and you don't use it. I'm interested to know how many of you have that in your basement and it's covered with clothes because we have great intentions and we never follow through. Plus, 
I promised my daughter we'd get a treadmill, and I'm really interested to see who would give us one. So put that in the comments below. That was all for selfish reasons. Number two, I want you to notice when it, when it comes to, to having to be strong, strength does not come without weight, but it also doesn't come without weakness. Now, that's a weird one, but let me explain. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in, uh, this is Paul again speaking, infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. I just don't get Paul at moments like this. He says, basically, I am a happy camper when distress comes my way. When things are not right, I get happy. When distress is in my way, I am happy. Because when I am weak, then I am made strong. I think the easiest way to explain this is my brother Denny. He's my older brother. He did not enjoy karate. If you ever watched the Andy Griffith show when Barney Fife was taking karate, that's how my brother Denny looked when me and Tony were taking martial arts. He just didn't fit in. It was awkward. It was embarrassing. I love you, Denny, if you're watching. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on you in a minute, but just hold on. It's just the fact. It didn't work for him. So he took up weightlifting. And we learned something very quickly. You can't build muscle, like I said before, without weights. But when you do lift weight, it tears down your muscle and makes you weak. It is painful, it's uncomfortable, and it, and it lasts for about two days. There's a time period. Uh, so Denny would work out, he'd come home, and he was always that guy that picked on us and pushed on us. More Tony than me, I was man enough to stand up for myself, but Denny, he would pick on Tony, I would intervene, I'd say, bro, and I knew he just worked out, poke in the chest, he would be on his knees. You know why? Because he just worked out. He's in pain, he couldn't defend himself, it was his kryptonite, and I knew that. And for two days, I had an opportunity to tear Denny down with picking and prodding and punching because he couldn't defend himself. But after the two days were over and the pain was gone and the muscles healed, he was bigger and better. And judgment was upon us. Let me remind you the same goes with Christianity. You have to be strong, and strength does not come without weights, but it also requires weakness. When God is tearing you down and putting things in your life that you don't understand, he is trying to make you better and stronger. And if you just hold on, when you feel like Satan is poking and prodding, and you feel weak and you feel overwhelmed, God is trying to make something great out of your life, and in the end, you're going to be bigger and you're going to be stronger. It's just holding on to that point. And you can't do it alone. That's why Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It, it, it requires that. It's a necessity. Let me, let me move on, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the very next point is in verse 2. And the third point is in verse 3, and the fourth point is in verse 4. Now you know how many points we have, so you can prepare yourself because some of you are thinking, this is going to be a long message. <clears throat> you got your kitchen right there. You could go get a drink. It's going to be great. Number two, you have to be faithful. If you want to finish the fight, if you want to fight all the way to the finish line and don't give up, you, you have to be strong. That's obvious. But you have to be faithful. This is what he says. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Spiritual faithfulness is defined basically in two simple ways. This is the way I understand it. This is the easiest way to get it, okay? I like easy things. Loyalty and consistency. 
You want to be a faithful warrior? You want to be faithful in the battle, the war, the fight? You have to be loyal and consistent. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. According to my earnest expectations. I love Paul's writing. This is Paul again. This is why he is my favorite character in the Bible. He just has so much great things to say that applies to us. Everything in the Bible obviously applies to us today. But when it comes to Paul, I feel it's more personal for me. According to my earnest expectations and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness. I love the word boldness there. As always... So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by what? Life or by death. He said, you know, I am so confident this is the fight I need to fight that it doesn't matter if I live or die. It is to magnify and glorify Jesus Christ. That is loyalty. If you are loyal, you believe in the cause of the fight. If you don't believe in the cause of the fight, there's no sense of fighting. There's no reason. You can lift all the weights and become the burliest Christian that ever existed. But if you don't believe in the fight, don't even step into the ring. I love the thought of what took place. And I I love this, what I'm about to say, because it's a great illustration of loyalty. Uh, During Reagan's presidency, there was an awful terrorist attack that took place. Uh, The Marine barracks in Beirut was attacked in the middle of the night. Hundreds of people tragically died, many wounded. And through that tragedy, a great general by the name of Paul Kelly visited these wounded survivors in Germany. And at that hospital, he made his way down the hallway to check on each one of the soldiers to encourage them and strengthen them. Corporal Jeffrey Lee Nashton was one of those men. He approached his room, and when he walked in the room, he came closer and closer to the bed. And as he did, that young man, in all the pain he was experiencing, reached out to the nurse and asked for a piece of paper and a pen. He took that piece of paper and pen, and he started to write two words. And when he wrote those words, he handed it over to the general. And the words were, simplify, simplify, which is, The Latin words for simply two things, forever faithful or forever loyal. He was in so much pain, but he wanted to make a point. It doesn't matter the pain I'm feeling. The battles I face is worth it all because the loyalty is there because I believe in what we are doing. Corporal Nashton was making a declaration that his loyalty outweighed his pain. I have found within the Christian movement, there's not a whole lot today that could do that when it comes to Jesus Christ. Because we get ourselves in a position that we feel like, I just can't do this. I can't stay loyal. I believe in the fight, but I just don't know if I want to pursue the fight. It's painful. It's hard. You can't Be loyal if you don't believe in the cause of the fight. You you cannot be faithful in the fight if you're not committed to the cause. You know, that's why David said to his brothers when they were facing Goliath, he said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for us to stand up and fight? Is there not a reason for us to fight to the finish? Are we not believers in Jesus Christ? Do we not have a purpose? 
You have to be faithful, and faithfulness requires, requires loyalty. But also, you know, I think it's really simple when you look into this, because you'll learn very quickly that it, it requires consistency. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, you see a consistency when it comes to Christianity. Therefore, my beloved brother... Brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. For me to think about being unmovable, that's tough. Because I have found myself in multiple situations being moved. I've been persuaded to be moved. I wasn't faithful in some things over the years. But in order to be the soldier you need to be, for you to have, uh, uh, to be faithful, you not only are loyal, but you're consistent and you cannot be moved. See, the problem is, is we get discouraged because we keep on falling. And we fall so much in the fight that we feel inconsistent. And because we're inconsistent, we just don't want to get back up. You, have you ever felt like you're knocked down more than you stand up in the spiritual battle? You, you got this addiction, you got this problem, you got this attitude, you got this mentality that always seems to get the best of you and you fall and you fall and you fall and your consistency of getting back up seems to start lacking. Let me remind you, some of the greatest wins in life come after our greatest failures. Failure is not fatal for a Christian. We have convinced ourselves if I fall, it's over. We treat our Christian lifestyle as a diet. I'll go six weeks and not eating anything inappropriate for a diet like Twinkies or donuts, and then you do it, and then you give up, and you throw in the towel. And we do the same thing with Christianity. We think that we fight, 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 fall, it's over. No, it doesn't work that way. The battle is not over because you fall. The battle is over because you quit. You can fall over and over and over and over and over again, but you've got to consistently get back up. That is being faithful. That is being loyal. Paul had a fall on his face on the road to Damascus before he could become the greatest missionary and evangelist known to man. Peter had to fall in his denial of Jesus Christ before he could see 3,000 saved. Hey, on the day of Pentecost, we see this over and over again. Joseph was thrown in prison he found himself in despair. He fell into a point where he just felt like, where do I go from here? And that happened before he was placed in the power and put in the palace. Let me remind you, you have to just keep getting up no matter how many times you get knocked down. That's called consistency. And being consistent means you're faithful. Consistency is a necessity to faithfulness. And without it, you cannot fight to the finish. You get knocked down in your marriage, and you get back up, and you say, we got this figured out. This is great. We're good. And then you turn around, and you find out your kids are doing something goofy. And you're like, what, what, what's going on? Well, we, we know I've trained you since you were a baby. You know better than this. And then you're knocked back down. And you're like, I can't keep on doing this. And then you get back up, and you get that under control, and you get, you, you get your teenager to start thinking right, you know? And, and, then, and then you find yourself in another position because you go to church and you hear some rumor and you feel discouraged and I'm just not going to do that ministry anymore, those people. And then you fall back down and then you get back up and that's all settled and then you get on social media and then you fall back down. And after a while, you just don't want to be consistent. You know why? Because you're exhausted. 
You're exhausted. You're frustrated. But you haven't lost. Because the more you get up and the more you fight, the more you realize that the battle is not over until the breath in your body is gone. Let me, let me bring you to something concerning that. 2 Timothy 2.3, which is the next point. You have to endure. See, we, we get this idea. Let me read the verse first. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. See, we get this idea that if I build up my spiritual muscles and I do my devotions every day, and, and, and if I'm faithful and loyal and consistent, everything's going to be great. But if you don't have spiritual endurance, it doesn't matter. Do you realize boxers who maintain a high level of performance, every round have the advantage over those that have a powerful punch? Because if you lose your steam, you lose the fight. That's why Paul says to Timothy, endure, endure. In other words, you have to make sure that you're spiritually healthy so you can maintain the fight. You cannot be strong and faithful to the fight without endurance or you'll fail every single time. Having endurance gives you the ability to sustain prolonged stressful situations or just positions that you are in that are just not well or comfortable and you don't know how to handle it. But endurance makes you step back, analyze the situation and go, it's going to be all right. Some people put it this way, it's sticking with it, it's hanging in there. It's it's saying, I'm not going to burn out. I'm not going to have spiritual exhaustion and throw in the towel. When it comes to spiritually fighting, we must face the reality that we have to have endurance and endurance comes with difficulty. Endure hardness. You know, here's the thing. We make this so spiritual. But the reality is, <clears throat> when it comes to spiritual endurance, it's really just enduring life. You know what I mean? We, we live in a sin-cursed world. It's not necessarily dealing with addictions and so forth. But it's, it's really just enduring things that come our way that we didn't expect. Uh, our finances, our, our marriage, our kids, our bills, work, politics. It's just enduring saying, you know, we're going to get through this. We can make it. These are obstacles in life that we have to endure. Spiritual exhaustion can cause us to want to quit. Quit on our marriage. Quit on our kids. Quit on our pets. Quit on our life group. Quit on our church. We just, we, we're just weak and exhausted. We don't know how to endure anymore. And often when you look at these points, they're very similar to each other, but they're uniquely different. You are placed in a position where you are required to stand up, to breathe, to think, to wait, to allow God to give you the strength and the endurance to press on. And if you don't choose to do that, you will fall every time. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, due season, almost got that out, we shall reap if we faint not. In other words, don't lose steam. Because if you hang in there, it'll be worth it in the end. You know, I mentioned this as an opening illustration dealing with Tony and, and, and of course, him getting uh, his black belt and learning karate. But it was an incredible time in our teenage years because my mom said, you can only take up one sport. I don't have time. There's five of us. She said, I don't have time to drive everybody around to everything. Just pick one sport. So we watched Karate Kid and we're like, this is our life, mom. This is our future. This is what we're going to do. And we did. So, I don't know why I did that. It just was very fitting. 
And so we pursued karate and we did it for five years and we finally came to that day where we're gonna get our black belts and it was the longest agonizing test ever. And let me just say this, because I keep on referring to the karate kid. Our studio was like the bad guy studio, not the Danielson studio, which was Miyagi. We, we, we went to that studio and learned the hard way, like it was hardcore. And I remember our test went for hours and hours and hours. And at the very end of the test, our karate instructor said there was, like, uh, there was three long eight-foot tables and black belts all the way across sitting there watching us. And at the very end of the test, he said, now you're going to have to fight. Yeah. It was already three and a half hours. Our gi was soaking wet. I was exhausted. I was shaking. I was weak. And then these guys start getting out of their seats and they come to the middle ring and it wasn't just one, it wasn't two, it wasn't three, it was four different black belts. And we're like, what? I'm 17 years old. I mean, I got the body of a god, but please, people, give me a break. So I put on my, you know, uh, Walker, Texas skills at that very moment and found out they don't go by the book. It's not like the movies. It's not like busting out the crane kick. They jumped on us. They punched us. They kicked us. I think one of them pinched me and bit me and nothing, nothing would I have expected. I'm so weak. And I remember Mr. Clariday. We were in Alabama not too long ago. I ran into Mr. Clariday. I think we got a picture. He's getting a little weight. But Mr. Clariday, there was, I went to his studio and I was just checking out. Mr. Clariday leaned over. It's like Chris Farley. And he's like, whatever you do, don't stop fighting or you will fail the test. He said, I don't care if it's just a pinky moving. Don't stop fighting. Finish the fight. Oh, as a 17-year-old boy, all I could do is move one little hand, one little finger, one pinky, because I wanted to pass the test. What's the point? Some of you are barely hanging in there, and all you got is one pinky, spiritually speaking, still moving. But the fight's not over if you don't quit. The fight's not over if you don't quit. Don't stop fighting. You have to endure. No matter how exhausted you are, no matter how bad you want to quit, you have to endure. Let me bring you to the last one, okay? And if you're still on Facebook watching, pay attention because we're about to close this out. You have to untangle. Look at verse 4. He says to Timothy, no man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. <clears throat> so I got dogs, and I have one particular dog that I've had for a very long time. Can't believe he's still alive. I'm not saying I want him to die. At times, okay, I'm going to skip that because my wife is watching, but Hank is a big dog. Hank is a loving dog. He loves me so much it's almost exhausting and, and he's always wanting to be hugged and loved, and, and he's as big as a dinosaur, right? And I put Hank, he loves to be outside in the summer, so I'll put Hank on a tie-out, and I clip that tie-out on, and Hank will, will go in the yard and walk around and just kind of chill and sit. And I notice when I come outside, he gets really excited. Now he's getting older, and he's getting like, you know, because he's a big dog, his bones are kind of frail. So I come outside, and years ago when I'd come outside, not necessarily now, he would get excited, and he'd be on that tie-out, and he's like, Daddy, I want to play, 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 play. And he would run around me, and that, and, and, that, and that cord would start tangling around me, and I'd say, Hank, stop it. Stop, Hank. 
And then he'd go around the tree because he thinks I'm trying to play when I'm just saying, stop, you're going the wrong way. You're doing the wrong thing. But in his dog mind, the way he's thinking, he's left, as the Bible would say, to his own understanding, he's doing a good thing. I'm playing with daddy. I'm playing, playing, playing. And so he runs around the tree. Daddy, daddy, look at me. And then he goes around the other side. Dad, I'm over here. And next thing I know, Hank has got himself wrapped over and over and over around that tree to the point that Hank is entangled. And you know what, what happens when he becomes entangled? He starts whimpering. Dad. I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was on the right path. Daddy, untangle me. See, what I have found when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to soldiers of Jesus Christ that want to fight a good fight, the reason why so many of them slow down and are not sufficient in the fight and not fighting to the finish is because they're entangled. You know, you can be strong. You can be faithful. You can endure but if you're entangled, it's all worthless. And during this period of time in our lives, I'm afraid to say that the greatest spiritual warriors are failing in the fight because they're entangled. Let me just get personal here. It's amazing how quickly we get entangled with the affairs of this life. That's what Paul said, the affairs of this life, to the point we're no longer effective in the fight. We're, we're entangled with worldly distractions, habits, Social media, uh, worldly, uh, we want worldly affirmation to know everything's good. And we get wrapped up in that. Our kids get wrapped up in that. They don't realize those people on Instagram really don't look like that. They just have all these filters and they took a thousand pictures to look like that. You know what I'm talking about? But we get wrapped up in that. We want that approval. We want that consent. And we are so consumed with that. Do you want to know if you're entangled? You know you're entangled if you are more captivated by politics than your walk with Jesus Christ. You are entangled. You are entangled if your children's friends know more about your daughter or your son than you do. You're entangled. Ladies, if you are more consumed with your hobby than your hubby, I like that one, then you're entangled. That one's debatable. If you spend more time on social media than you do with your family, you are entangled. Are you all with me? This fight is almost over. I can't quit now. Some of you are so confused that are watching me online because you got so many things going through your mind. You got, you're wrapped up with COVID and Republicans and Democrats. You're, 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 you're emotionally a roller coaster. You're sending out messages on Facebook saying, did you watch this video? Conspiracy, conspiracy. You're entangled with frustration and it's causing depression. And you know what? You've become a weak soldier of Jesus Christ because you are fighting against the entanglement instead of fighting against the enemy. We cannot throw the towel in. We cannot stay down. We cannot stop fighting. We have to finish this because it's almost over. If you're such a novice, spiritually speaking, that you haven't looked around you to notice things are happening fast, it's almost over, then you need to wake up. 